What smells like shoe polish? Be quiet. We have a promo to do. I'm Jeff Ferry, and this is my hetero podcast mate, Chris Durkach. We are the hosts of the Jay and Silent Bob Minute. We break down the Kevin Smith films featuring Jay and Silent Bob one minute at a time, starting with Clerks. I have a hockey game at 12. Chris, please. So if you've ever worked a dead-end job behind the counter discussing Star Wars while slinging coffee, nudie mags, and cigarettes... Cancer merchant! Cancer merchant! Settle down! Or if you ever leaned outside a convenience store, secretly hated all your customers, or closed your place of business to attend a funeral, you should join us at Jane Silent Bob Minute on DuelingGenre.com as we discuss the milkmaids, berserkers, and the significance of the number 37. In a row? Come for the clerks and stay for the rest of the Jane Silent Bob Minute fun. Right, Chris? I'm not even supposed to be here today. Hey everybody, this is Kimberly Gold. I was the bass player in the Halloween dance scene from the movie Once Bitten. And you are listening to the Vampire Movie Minute Podcast. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Vampire Movie Minute Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Scott Danielson. And we are continuing our coverage of the 1985 horror comedy starring Jim Carrey and Laura Hutton. And we are at the best five to eight minutes of the movie, the dance sequence. Minute 60 to 65 begins with kids arriving at the dance, Mark and Robin included, and ends with the Countess trying to stab Robin in the chest. Yes. And there are hundreds of costumes in this uh, scene. And we'd like to thank our guest, Kimberly Gold, for coming on the show with us. She was one of the band members in the movie. So hopefully you enjoyed her interview. Now, there are tons of costumes in the scene. I see a shark eating a kid, a bunch of cat costumes, Darth Vader, the Blues Brothers, Tinkerbell, some dominoes, the devil twice. The devil's carrying a horse in the previous minutes. And then the devil, again, is walking around with somebody who's, I guess, dressed as a lampshade? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> we also get Sailor, a bug, a couple different bugs, a, a Ghostbuster, at least the, the jumpsuit of a Ghostbuster, uh, a nurse that Russ is dancing with. Um, I'm assuming a fencer is the boyfriend of the nurse. Um, yeah, there's a then, lot of cowboys and pirates and stuff like that. Um, and then we also meet Suzette, who is, I thought was a previous character in a previous minute, but Suzette is uh, the actress that was on, uh, married to the actor who played Ron Swanson on uh, Parks and Rec. Oh, that's Megan Mullally, yeah. That's Megan Mullally, yeah. And she was yeah. uh, Tammy, too, on Parks and Rec. And she's been on, uh, probably most famously, on Will and Grace. Yeah, she was Karen in Will and Grace. Right. Is that where we get the Karen from? Like, people saying, oh, there's a Karen... I don't think so. That that character is mostly just um, shrill and abrasive. I think I think mostly the Karen as it's currently being used is mostly just kind of uh, an entitled white woman. So oh. I don't I, I understand why it could be confused, but don't think it's quite there. Okay, Robin is dressed up as um, Raggedy Ann. Yeah, yeah, she's dressed up, well, yeah, she's dressed up like a bit like Raggedy Ann. Apparently, Mark was supposed to be Raggedy Andy and did not follow through and instead is just dressed like 
A vampire, I guess? Yeah, but he's not wearing a costume, Scott! I know. Terry Willis, who plays the principal, who uh, says, Hello, Mark, is in Child's Play 3 as Garbage Man. <laughs> there you go. Very important role in a Child's Play movie. Right. He was also in Werewolf the TV series as Officer Kowalski. I love Werewolf the series. Uh, it was a short-run show, ran for only a season on USA Network, 32 episodes, all half-hour apiece. Uh was supposed to be released on uh, DVD back in 2007 from Shout Factory. But due to copyright with the music, it has it has it has been forever delayed and still never been given a uh, home video release. Oh, that's killer! Yeah, music rights. I've actually realized it, it's. I'm not sure if you, this has ever happened to you, but I've definitely watched like a show where I actually know the music cues, and then they play something else, and it does not work whatsoever. So, <laughs> oh, I was just I was just saying like my example is uh, Scrubs. Like Scrubs has a couple of like oh you know exactly what the song is. And then it's playing, like, some generic rock song, and I'm like, this isn't it at all. <laughs> like, they have an entire montage dedicated to this song, and then they're playing something that doesn't even match the tempo. It's really rough. Um, this, that, that has definitely been the problem with uh, the DVD box sets for um, TV series like Charmed and Dawson's Creek. Uh, the music has been drastically changed. Oh, yeah. I can, oh, yeah, I can only imagine, because those are places, if you really wanted to... Yeah, because Charm doesn't don't they have like tunnel live performances too? Right, they do. Um, I'm oh, currently man. watching Witchblade the series with Mr. Zeneca over on the Dead TV podcast, and a lot of the music was still intact in the first season, but the second season feels like they have definitely changed a lot of the music. In fact, the first season had music by U2, which is very expensive music. But in season yeah. two, there's an opening fight scene between Sarah and another cop in a boxing match, and they play. Um, uh, Paranoid by Rob, Zo- by uh, sorry, uh, Ozzy Osbourne, but it's com- it's it's just generic show music now. And in fact, it doesn't have the uh, it doesn't have the weight that that scene did when it was on TV, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, I think I think there's there's something along with music rights because I think I think nowadays they they figured it out, but at least for a while, um, you just they just paid for the rights, you know, to show it on on TV. But now you have to essentially pay music rights in perpetuity. So you're paying for streaming, you're paying for DVD or Blu-ray distribution, you're paying you're paying for all, all of that. So there's always a small cut going to the musicians. So, which is what they should do, but it's also it's also is why sometimes they're just like, all right, we're just gonna put something else in because it's gonna be way cheaper than trying to you know pay like pay you two give you two you know fifteen dollars you know every time that we show this on Hulu or something. Russ is dressed up as uh, Yul Brenner because he wanted to be Gandhi. Culturally not really appropriate, considering how white he is. But, of course, uh, Gandhi was played by a white guy in a movie that won him the Academy Award, so... Quick thing, Ben Kingsley is actually of mixed-race descent, so he actually is of somewhat of Indian descent. Oh, okay, that's how he gets away with it. Uh, that is how, yeah, that's how, he gets, that's how he gets away with it. But also, he's, he's, regardless, he's pulled a double racism, because he is, one, dressed as somebody from a different race, but also, Hugh Brenner is... Not your brother is. I don't believe is Indian. Right, definitely. Um, and Jamie is dressed up as Pinocchio. Yeah, that that. I mean, that's that's a that's a go to. You know, that's that's definitely the one that'll get the women that he's been he's been wanting to get with. There are a lot of really generic costumes in this crowd. Um, there's a Darth Vader helmet walking around, but he doesn't look like he has the rest of the costume. <laughs> 
Yeah, there, there's a lot of generic, like, cowboys and or farmers and things like that. A lot of stuff like that. Would any high school allow some 40, almost 40-something-year-old woman to just show up and start dancing with one of their students? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but, um, I mean, I've, I mean, some of my dancers, I don't know if they found the dancing appropriate. I think they're like, well, this is much nicer than what could be happening on this dance floor, so whatever. Right. I definitely have had uh, been to high school dances where they were, like, snapping their fingers to, like, cut out, like, the grinding that was going on. Yes. Yes. A lot of very aggressive grinding at my high school dances. Yes. Um, one of my fondest memories of a high school dance was uh, my ex-girlfriend, who was, like, my one of my lifelong friends. We'd known each other since, like, our parents were pregnant. And we had gone out for a little while, and then we broke up, and we went out, and we broke up. And typical high school stuff. And uh, she needed a date to her victory dance. And this was like a big formal dance in the middle of the year. And I went with her. And in the middle of one slow dance between the two of us, whatever, I, I felt something like slip past my ear. And I thought it was a bug. And she comes to pull away from me to ask me. Um, she actually told me later on she was going to ask me how things were going with that girl that I was dating because she wanted to get with me that night. And when she pulls away, she immediately crafts herself to me like like a vice and she's like whatever you do do not pull away from me i'm like why she's like that did, uh, my class completely came undone and i'm topless now so walk me to the bathroom oh. <laughs> and as we're walking oh, like slow dancing to the bathroom and her dress is being pinned up by my body being pressed against her she grabs her friend sitting in the chair and like i need you to help me <laughs> but yeah her her she would if i had pulled away she would have been showing um you know and that i mean Probably don't get to come back to the dance at that point. Maybe, maybe not. This was uh, way back in the uh, late 90s. Uh, you know, who knows? But yeah, she was, she was like, <laughs> don't let me go. Why? Because I'm <laughs> going to go topless if you let me go. <laughs> what? I look down. Oh. <laughs> She's like, don't look. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So this dance sequence begins uh, with Mark starting off with some leg guitar and him coming down to the floor, and the countess there, she kind of just, like, she she kind of, like, elevators up behind the person that is in front of her. And then she takes off her hat and uh, she has, and uh, and uh, her veil, and she hands it to the guy <laughs> randomly. <laughs> yeah, she, she, she's also noteworthy that she is the one leading. <laughs> yes, she is so. definitely leading. What type of costume do you think she has on? Is it, like, a women's tuxedo? Like a, like, um... Las Vegas women's style tuxedo, right? Because there's not a lot. I mean, of it's basically it's basically a Zatanna costume, right? It's it's yeah, Zatanna kind of yeah, so, sure. Do you think she's gonna try and bite Mark at the dance because she like completely goes down on him? That's that seems to be where she bites. So maybe that seems to be the the look of it. But I don't know. I think it also sh she seems to have taken a very big dislike to Robin. So I think she's going for a two first. I think she's looking to bite. Mark, and then also humiliate Robin. Probably. Robin, by the way, the actress who plays Robin, she is a professional dancer. Uh, Jim Carrey had to be taught everything, but Robin is a professional dancer, and she helped choreograph this scene with the L.A. Dance Studio people that I tried to have on the show, but they have not returned any of my emails. I said I was saying that it shows. I mean, it just it's difficult to explain, but you can generally tell when somebody is an experienced dancer versus you know just how they move and how crisp the movements are versus less experienced. And this isn't really dancing as much as just, like, moving in a choreographed, stylized back and forth between the two of them on the floor. Um, as, like, 
the Countess uses like her hands and her entrapment of of uh, Mark to draw him to her. Um, Robin comes running over and throws Mark aside, ripping her costume off or whatever, undoing her her hair bonnet to go full on attack mode with the the Countess who is trying to steal her man. Yeah, she she goes to uh, the Sandy school of uh, <laughs> how to touch your man back, which is just be like, hey, let's let's make it sexier for whatever you know. <laughs> Hey, you gotta, yeah, she's in a kind of a confining costume, so it's time to rip it off or whatever and just be in the leotard underneath. You'd have a lot more ability to uh, to fight. That's why superheroes wear leotards. Yes, that's definitely why. And Robin um, is, thinks she's going to get the upper hand on the Countess, and the Count, what does she try to stab Robin with as the minutes end? I'm having trouble making it out. Is it her? Do you think it's like a you know like the way the the penguin and Batman would smoke a cigarette on a stick? Yeah, I think yeah, it might be something like that. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming it is. Make it's like a, it's a lit cigarette, maybe. Sounds about right. And I wouldn't want to be burned by a lit cigarette, but that's pretty much how the five minutes ends. We like again thank Kimberly for coming on the show with us to talk about the band sequence. We will have other guests on the show with us coming up here on the Vampire Movie Minute podcast coverage of Once Bitten. This is my favorite part of the whole movie. Don't forget you can find us on Facebook at the Vampire Movie Minute podcast and online on uh, Twitter at the Vampire Minute and at our individual Twitters at Christy Sav. And I'm at Scott C. Danielson. And if we're still in quarantine at the time of hearing this, hopefully you're all safe and healthy, and we'll be back next week with another five minutes of the Vampire Movie Minute podcast. Catch you next time.